0: Good afternoon. You got all the, uh, the talkative bug out, perhaps? It's okay if you want to, you know, while I'm sharing, if you get a little burst of excitement, it's okay to have a little bit of feedback. That's okay, too. Um, I shared this probably our first month in I've been in different churches, served in different churches, and, you know, I'm completely comfortable with people. If you feel like there's something that's ministering to your heart, it's okay to shout out amen. It's okay to shout out, preach it. It's okay to even say stuff like, oh, I don't know, but (laughs) let's talk after. Um, There have been some places and some houses of worship. um, It hasn't happened while I'm sharing, and it had nothing to do with me. I just remember at one um, event I was at, a gentleman was ministering, And while he was ministering, this lady just stood up in the middle of the service and just said, oh, the Lord just touched me. I'd never seen that before. So I'm just going on to say sometimes the Holy Spirit can do interesting things, and I'm open to that as long as it reflects the Word of God. So I'm just trying to open it up a little bit, get a little bit of movement as far as uh, welcome the Holy Spirit to minister to us this afternoon. So we're continuing in our series, A Worthy Pursuit. Now that summer is really, in many respects, it's here. I don't think it's officially summer yet, but it sure feels like it's summer, finally. Some warm, enjoyable weather. You know, you're like me, maybe through the week, one day you go in the closet, you have to put jeans on. You know, a couple hours later, well, you can put the shorts on. But then two hours later, no, it's back to the jeans. Right? So, just this, kind of this back and forth, back and forth, but it looks great. I say a lot to say thank you for being here on this wonderful afternoon. And we're going to look to the Word of God as we continue in the series. The title for today is, Stand in Christ. Stand in Christ. Take your stand in the Lord. It is a worthy pursuit. I brought something with me. Here's a hat that I gifted myself not too long ago. I don't know if anyone recognizes what this is. Yep. Indiana Jones, if you've watched the movies, if you've seen the films, you know, starring Harrison Ford, he goes on these pursuits, looking for these artifacts, and he he meets all these obstacles and, and issues along the way. But the main driving force for, you know, Indiana Jones is as he finds those artifacts, he wants everyone to enjoy those artifacts. He even goes on to say to those who are trying to find it before he does and sell it on the black market, he says, that artifact belongs to the museum. He's on this journey. He's on this pursuit. So I'm wearing this hat today because it helped to serve as a reminder that as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, we're looking at Christian warfare. We're shifting from a place of Christian relationships out of reverence for Christ. And we're moving into this understanding that in life, because we follow Jesus, we're pursuing relationship with him. And all that he's called us to, there are going to be obstacles along the way. There are going to be challenges along the way. There's going to be boulders in life that are going to try and run us over. But in Christ, by his vast strength, we can make it through the day, and what he's calling us to. And so let me ask you a question this afternoon. We all face different pressures, different things that press in against us, if you will, but in many ways they help with our personal growth. Those external factors, as they press in, we we find ways to develop an inner growth in the midst of those challenges. What are some of those inner growths that you have witnessed in your life as those pressures have hemmed you in, perhaps at times. And I ask you this question because there's many things we tell ourselves. There's many ways in which we train to face each day. There's aspects of even health and fitness. People go to the gym and you work out, you pump iron to prepare yourself. It maybe gets the faculties going a little bit better. It's the same thing with our faith. There's important things that we can do to prepare ourselves in this spiritual battle. And so we're going to go to verse 10, where the Apostle Paul says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and bequest. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that even in the preparation, even that which you've deposited into my own spirit, into my heart, the personal devotion time from this passage, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak and go forth as you have designed it to go forth, Father. That which you would have take root, may it take root. And Lord, that we would jettison everything else. May your word wash over us, bind us together by your spirit to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you read the word of the Lord, there's many different parts that pop out at you. And perhaps as that passage was being read, maybe there's some things that you were able to draw from what the Apostle Paul said. Right at the beginning in verse 10, he says, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. In many respects, we go to different places. We seek out different faces for strength. For some, as I alluded to earlier, for some, their strength is in their outward appearance. Their strength is from the, you know, going to the gym and, and pumping the iron. And don't get me wrong, I love going to the gym. It's a, it's a fun place to go to. There's many different people you can meet, and exercise is good for the body. The Apostle Paul said physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for this life and the life to come. We train ourselves, we put our our trust and our strength in many different things, and Paul here is reminding us right in the beginning, in the midst of living proper relationships out of reverence for Christ, make no mistake that when you want to live for Jesus, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face difficulty, and that's why he told the believers in Colossus this in chapter 2, verse 6, so then... Just as you have received Christ as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, Be careful then that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of this world, rather than on Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells in Christ. And so I love how Paul emphasizes right at the beginning, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. His promise here, is when we take him up on that, when we take up his strength, when we're rooted in him by the agency of the Holy Spirit, there's this inward, wonderful renewal that begins. There's this bubbling up, this fuel that enables us to seize each day in Jesus' name. And yet he goes on to say that in the midst of this strength, be prepared that difficult days are ahead. This is all part of of the preparation. You know, many athletes, they prepare day in and day out for game time. But they put in the work. They put in this tremendous amount of activity preparing for the game. I've said it many times that hockey is one of my favorite sports, and I deeply appreciate the training that goes into those, uh, what the training those players go through. For example, just the job of a centerman To take a face-off, to increase the odds of success, you have to practice. You have to practice taking draws, one after another. Dropping a puck, dropping a puck, taking the draw. Oh, shoot, I missed that one. Oh, my timing was a little late on that one. You do it time and time again. And there's times where you'll see certain players, they just seem to have the number of their opposition. That opposition is having trouble winning those battles. But then a substitution occurs and another sentiment comes to the face off. And then you're tested once again in your timing and your preparation. Here Paul is showing us that you are going to face, as I said, when we want to live for Jesus, you're going to face opposition. And sometimes we like to, and I'm in, I'm in that number, sometimes we like to run from that face off. We'd rather say, no, 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 you know what, you, you go ahead, you take that face off. But it's in those moments, it's in trial by fire, if you will, we really learn who we truly are and where our strength comes from. You know, I don't have to tell you, I'm sure that throughout your week that you have different kinds of conversations with people. Perhaps some of it is seasoned about faith and people ask you perhaps difficult questions. Maybe at times you don't know quite how to answer those, or maybe you have the answer, but maybe the boldness isn't quite there to speak the truth in love. We've all been there. I certainly have been there. When we started this church, for whatever reason, before we even held uh, our first service, there was already opposition. Whether people had done the research or just assumed because we were of a charismatic background, Pentecostal type of expression of faith, um, they drew some conclusions and some assumptions. And without focusing on what those conversations were specifically about, for me, I realized that when you're serving in a community, when you're desiring to bring the peace of Christ into the neighborhood his transformative grace that the enemy takes notice and wants to start ruffling feathers. His back gets up and starts to, you know, form his ranks. And this is not unlike what Paul says. He says, so put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. First, he's established that your strength needs to be rooted in the Lord and in the Lord alone. And he's not leaving you hanging, he's giving you an armor so that you can take your stand. And so before we set our sights on the enemy, my first point for this afternoon is this, the struggle is real. When you wake up in the morning, maybe you have prayer time in the morning. Maybe sometimes you might be able to feel that spiritual, potentially spiritual oppression more days than not. Perhaps I don't have to say to you, the struggle is real. Spiritual warfare is real. But if I asked even for a show of hands, I'm sure many would say, yep, I've experienced spiritual warfare. Look what we're told in Revelations chapter 12. It's a part of scripture that I appreciate, but it's because it really hones in this battle that we're in from the dawn of creation itself to where we are living in these last days, as Jesus communicated through his angel to John on the island of Patmos as he was in prison and writing this letter of revelation to the churches, it says this, starting in verse 7. Sorry, verse 3. And then a sign appeared in the heaven, and there was a great fiery dragon, having seven heads and ten, ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male who was going to rule all nations with an iron rod her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought, but he could not prevail and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to the earth and his angels along with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come. Because the accuser of our brothers and sisters, he accuses them before our God day and night, has been thrown down. And keep this, this in mind right here. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short." From the dawn of creation itself from the time that ancient serpent was cast to the earth, as Jesus said, I saw that ancient serpent fall to the earth like a lightning flash. He has been going after the offspring, the children of God, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ because when he died and rose again, as we've talked about many times, he changed things. He changed so many things. And when we live our life for Christ, when we serve him, we want to live after him. The enemy takes notice of the position that we've taken. You ever notice that? There can be many different, perhaps, issues. Matters of integrity, the stands that you take. And you notice that the enemy takes notice. And so he schemes. Essentially, he's battling for our allegiance. Many respects, he knows the areas in which we used to live. And so he comes with reinforcements with his fallen angels that we know as demons and comes to try and get you to change your focus. To shift our perspective. And so he longs, uh, and above all things, to have this power over us. When Jesus overcame the powers on the cross, you couldn't just imagine the devil was ticked. He thought he had won the day, he thought he had won the ultimate victory. But when the dust settled and breath returned to Christ's lungs and he rose again, the devil was in tremendous pain. And he designed to scheme and to plot and plan so that his pain could be our pain. To serve him to his interests instead of Christ's interests. And the reason why I share all that and that verse from Revelation is to show here Paul moves from saying, make sure your strength is in the Lord. You can overcome the schemes of the devil by the full armor of God. And he says, don't lose sight of who your real enemy is. Don't lose sight of who your enemy is. Each day we have a choice to make. Where do we go through for our strength? Who do we turn to? But look at this promise in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. A few chapters before Paul wrote these words about the Christian warfare. He writes... And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the mighty working of his strength, he exercised his power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every power, authority, dominion, every title that has been given, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Think about it. Nothing can surpass his authority. Nothing can surpass the the wonderful, majestic nature of who Christ is. That he is life. He is spirit and truth. He has secured the victory for you and I. And so Paul goes here in verse 12 again and says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. He knew who his enemy was. He knew where his strength came from and he didn't lose sight of who his enemy was. His sights were set on the proper enemy, but he knew in whom his strength would come. He says in Philippians 4, 13, I'm able to do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many of you here today believe that you can overcome the taunting schemes of the devil? Sometimes we feel like, no, there's just some things I can't have victory over. I'm just going to have to live with it. Now you might be here today and thinking, well, the Apostle Paul said once that, you know, the Lord sent a tormenting spirit, a thorn in his flesh. And he prayed and pleaded for God, take this away from me. But don't think for a second that God would willfully put a sin issue into your life. Because it says that he's freed us from all sin. That spirit that that Paul's referring to was a matter of keeping him humble. There There was some sort of physical ailment to remind him of where his strength truly lies. And that's why I mentioned the gym earlier that many times you can be in top physical condition, maybe even going to the doctor and everything looks good. But then a few weeks later, all of a sudden your world comes crumbling down because you've put all your trust in that physique and yet the physician says, I'm sorry, you have cancer. It's in those moments, or whatever those other things may be, fibromyalgia or any other disease, it's in those moments where you reorientate and begin to put completely your trust in your Heavenly Father because there's nothing more that you can do. And so Paul tells us, look, you need to be strengthened by the Lord. Put on the full armor and realize that armor is to go against this specific enemy. He goes on to say in verse 13, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having everything prepared to take your stand. What I appreciate, but what the Apostle Paul is saying here is it's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's like Indiana Jones when he's going on his quest. In many respects, if you notice in the films, a little bit of humor to season this a little bit, is he didn't seem like he was quite in the game until he put his hat on. There's even a point where he gets struck in the face when he's on the boat and it's pouring rain, and he's just getting beat to a pulp, but then when he found his hat, he puts his hat back on. It's almost like he gives the enemy the look in the face and says, do your worst, because I have my hat but in many respects, I believe this is what Paul's saying to us. It's a mindset that when you put on the armor of God, you can withstand all the barrage of the enemy. Look at verse 16. He says, In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So what are some of those arrows Now, I tread very carefully because the important thing with the Word of God is that when you read a part of Scripture, you do need to look at it in context. And so as we were, you know, working our way to this point in the Word, we were looking at living out Christian relationships. Paul talked about relationships between husbands and wives, having honor in that marriage. But we look around... One of the flaming arrows of the enemy, the scheming of the devil, is to break up marriages. To sow that word of confusion, the scheme is to speak like he did in the garden. Are you really happy with so-and-so? Wouldn't you be much happier with that, you know, beautiful person across the room? Or maybe that person you saw at the gym, or that person at work, or whatever it may be. We know that's part of the scheming of the enemy, he wants to sow discord. He wants to sow disunity. That's in the, the, the marriage unit, in relationships between children and parents. Before he even got to this party, he said, children, obey your parents. Part of those flaming arrows is to get children to be disobedient. We've all been there. We've all been tested by those fiery arrows. But he says, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. It doesn't say some. Some doesn't say, unfortunately, some of the arrows are going to bite you in the butt. He doesn't say that. He says all the arrows. But really, we have to believe and know that the times when those arrows hit us and penetrate our heart is because we have jettisoned the shield of faith. We've allowed the enemy of our souls to get through and to speak into our thought life. Look at what the Apostle Paul says here in Ephesians 5.15. He says, pay careful attention to how you then live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, make most of the time, not as unwise but wise, This is something for all of you. He, he doesn't say, okay, for some, you're going to be strengthened by the Lord. For some, you're going to put on the armor, and you're going to be like the front of the uh, wolf pack, like the alpha males of the wolf pack. They're going to protect you. They're going to put on the armor. You guys are just back like sea lions in the ocean and just lazy days and just relaxing. And they're going to take all the hits. They're going to take the brunt of the attack. If you've ever seen... Sea lions interact with um, a big whale. It's something to be seen, but sea lions band together, as lazy as they are, they band together. I saw that once when I was living out in BC. They band together against this formidable whale, this formidable opponent. In a likened way, Paul says to the Corinthians in chapter 16, verse 13, Be alert, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and strong. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. This really essentially, I think, speaks to our Christian duty, doesn't it? To stand strong when we face and we hear those voices. When the going gets tough, what do you do? When you hear those voices, the words of the enemy, do you sweat it? Do you eat it and devour and allow it to get down into your spirit? Or do you put up the shield of faith and say, no, no, I know who I belong to. I know that I'm the child of God. I'm the son and daughter of the most high in whom there is no shifting of shadow, that I'm securely within the palm of his hand. You control the things that you can control. Because look what Paul says here put on the armor of God. Put it on. Put it on. So that you can resist in the evil day. Look what he says to the Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 26. He says, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I may not be disqualified. I say that verse to say training is important. Preparation is important, as the Apostle Paul says. And like you, I'm preaching to myself. As he says here, so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So when we go back to honoring Christian relationships, honor my wife, I need to honor my wife. I can't be looking around and looking at other women maybe because she said something. Or maybe he doesn't like where I parked the car. You know, I'm totally cool when I go to park the car. I never complain or, you know, point out the issues about where I park my car when I'm driving by myself. But I chose to get married, and, you know, those are some of the things that you endure. And a little, little bit of humor here, Paul shows us, leading up to this, look, there's a new life in Christ. You once lived one way, but now things have changed. There's life transformation. You're now part and citizens of the kingdom of light, Look what he says here in chapter five, verse eight. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, therefore do not become partners for you were once in darkness but now you are light in the Lord. Think about it. You are light. Live as children of the light for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness but instead expose them for it's even shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret everything exposed by the light is made visible for what makes everything visible is light therefore it is said get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and christ will shine on you We have here on our backdrop, for, the, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It goes on saying, but some didn't receive the light for fear that their darkness, their deeds would be exposed. But those who love him draw near to the light. They come to the light so their works can be shown of that of God. So again, Paul says, do not run aimlessly like the one beating the air, but be self-disciplined. So he goes on saying, be strengthened, in the Lord, put on the armor of God. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against these cosmic rulers of this darkness. And so Paul's reminding us, this is who your enemy really is. The one who masquerades and disguises himself as Light. Man, as human beings, we really can be deceived, can't we, at times? Even as Christians. If if we don't have the, the helmet of salvation firmly in place, the shield of faith out in front of us to extinguish the darts, we really can become gullible. Look what he tells the Corinthians further, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says... But I will continue to do what I'm doing in order to deny an opportunity to those who want to be regarded as our equals in what they boast about. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise then if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. I deeply appreciate what Paul's saying there because we know the enemy of our souls masquerades as light. He distorts, he twists things. So maybe you're like me wondering, well, what are some of those schemes of the devil? We already established what a few of those things are. But one of the key other pieces is he wants to destroy our unity the unity that we have in faith that we are saved that we belong to one faith one baptism one faith and hope he wants us to join in the rebellion Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21 if you have your bibles i'm not sure if we have it on the screen i Sorry, Claudia, I can't remember all the verses I put in there. It's quite a few today. Um, But Ephesians 4, verse 21. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. I want you to remember that last part. If you remember nothing else but this. And put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. Somewhere along the line, the deceptiveness of the enemy, that God, who is the one of perpetual light, there's no shifting of him, that for some way that who he is has been married in many respects with darkness, affirming many different kinds of questionable lifestyles. And don't misunderstand me. What I'm about to say is... is, not coming from a place of um, lack of words of how to actually say this, but of a place of just trying to get you. Okay? One of these days Jesus was out and he's ministering. And a lot of the times we go to the word because we're looking for, see, see, the word says I can do this. So one of these days, as we're going back to Christian relationships, one of these days the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Lord, Moses said that it's okay for us to have a letter of divorce. And He goes and says, so what do you, what do you think of this? And I like his answer because he puts it to rest at the, at, the, at the very beginning of their question about what God has sanctioned as holy and pleasing to him. And looking at all these different kinds of lifestyle and choosing who you love. He goes on to say, well, don't you know how it's been written from the beginning? That he made them male and female. And a man will leave his mother and father and be joined together with his wife. And what God has joined together, let no one separate. And yet, as I said earlier, there are many things, and don't get me wrong, there's different places and reasons Jesus says, unless for uh, pornea, for unfaithfulness, adultery in the relationship, you're to remain. And yet they were looking for an excuse because they were just simply unhappy or whatever the reasons might be. This is part of this sowing seed of the rebellion that Satan wants to lead us in. But it's not just in that one category. You look around and there's many different things that are happening in our culture about who people are choosing to love. And I thought of this the other day. I've been very careful, you know, kind of being more broad and, and instead of being specific but i really believe the spirit just checked me and was saying no like you need to speak the truth in love and expose deeds of darkness so when someone says is it okay for anyone to be with anyone other than between a husband and wife a man and woman no it's not okay it's not okay if it was okay jesus would have said yeah absolutely it's it's completely okay he made a male female xyz 1 2 Non-binary, whatever. He didn't say that. This is part of the schemes of the devil. He's eroding, eroding our values. He's eroding our integrity. Every inch that he can. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that many, um, many here today have, even when it comes to relationships and marriages, two very close friends of mine, that the Lord works through with the enemy intended for evil. He has turned it out for good. Don't misunderstand me, but understand that the scheming of the devil is just as real then as it is today. He wants to break up marriages. He wants to break up relationships between parents and children. But again, how can we get past all these schemes? By the strength of the Lord. By putting on his armor. Then we can resist that evil day. And so very quickly, just for sake of time, um, today I just wanted to finish off with the first uh, aspect of the armor that he, he speaks of, the belt of truth, the belt of truth. How many of you are wearing a belt today? I'm purposely wearing a golf shirt just so I can show, I got my belt on, okay? I got my belt on and we'd be in big trouble if I didn't have this belt on because if I moved a little too much, it would be, oh i lost my pants. <laughs> you ever try golfing or anything where you don't have a belt on, you take a swing, whoops, you're exposed, right? Here we see Paul says, <laughs> a little bit of humor, lighten the, lighten the load here a little bit. Stand therefore with truth like belt around your waist and righteousness like armor on your chest. Remember that this image of the new self, this product of light is righteousness, goodness, and integrity. So here Paul's showing us this belt. It's not supposed to be this fashion statement. Hey, I actually think this belt I have on is pretty cool. You know, those I've never had one of these fancy belts before. I think John got it for me as a gift one day my birthday or something. It's really cool. Um, But it's not meant to be. This belt of truth is not meant to be a fashion statement. It's not meant to be when it's convenient. Truth is meant to be truth. And this is what spoke to me as I was reading this. It's not meant to be subjective to what other people say. As one who does weddings and officiates weddings, many times people have said to me and questioned me why I will not perform weddings of same sex. The answer is simple. I can't do it. As a minister of the light that is Christ, Jesus is truth who said to me, that's not the way it is. I just can't do it. And so he goes on to say, you know, stand therefore with the belt of truth around your waist. You can imagine, as I said earlier, without that belt, there's not much agility. You're not able to roll with the punches. And what I found interesting in researching this a little bit, at the time in which Paul wrote this, the soldier, the Roman soldier, would have a fairly significant tunic underneath his armor. In order to keep it so his tunic wouldn't trip him up in the time of battle, he needed that belt to be firmly in place to keep from you know snagging on things so he can move and be agile with his sword, to respond with his shield in unison with the thrusting sword with the opposing enemy. I remember one day I was playing hockey, and this actually happened to us this year we're playing, and my hockey pants, the belt actually broke on one shift, okay, and it was a horrible thing, like I'm skating around, like, oh, my belt is broken, I'm like skating around, I'm trying to pull my pants up, I couldn't do anything, I don't know if it led to a goal at that point, but here Paul is showing us, this is the very foundational piece of the armor of God, without the truth that we base our life on, you're going to fall for anything, How's the saying go? If you don't, if you don't uh, stand for anything or fa- uh, stand for something, you'll fall for anything. John, just let, let me know if I need to stop, okay? And uh, if we need to get any help, just let me know. So here's the belt of truth. Let's go to verse 17 just for a second. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What holds the belt? I mean, what, sorry, what holds the sword in place? The belt. The sheath in which the soldier had his sword ready for battle was held by that belt. If that belt wasn't in place or firmly secure, his sword would not be available for him to defend himself. And so we're told in Hebrews this, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So let me ask you this afternoon as I wrap things up. The belt of truth, who do you think the belt of truth represents? Who do you think Paul is referencing here? What is truth? Remember, they didn't have the complete word of God as we do today. And yes, the word of God is truth. But at this point, they didn't have the completed word, the revelation that we are able to enjoy each morning, each day. But for Paul, the one who was taught and received revelation directly from the Lord, I believe he's emphasizing for us the belt of truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ not the gospel according to the Pharisees, not the gospel according to the Satan, the ancient serpent that was cast down to the earth below who thought he had an unfair deal. And he wants you to think you have an unfair deal in life. And so as the worship team comes, keep this in mind. Who you are determines how you think, and how you think will determine how you act. Who you are determines how you think and how you think will determine how you act. If we can really focus in and believe that Jesus is the truth, the belt of truth, and, and forgive me, I've been, I know I've been going on a bit here and I'm wrapping this up. If Jesus is the truth, we know that we're going to make it through Okay. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't stop there. He says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light that leads to life. What is the fruit of the light that we looked at a few moments ago? Righteousness and peace. Righteousness and purity of truth. Ephesians 5, 9. For the fruit of light consists all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see how this continues to play out? Paul continues to remind the people, this new life in Christ, make no mistake, this is the fruit for those who believe the truth that is Jesus Christ. That belt that we wear each and every day through faith in Jesus, this is what we are to represent. Goodness, righteousness, and purity of Truth. His light can truly dispel the darkness in our life. So let me just ask you this question as the worship team prepares to lead us. If you feel comfortable, you can can even close your eyes. We know who our enemy is. We've, We've set our sight on identifying who the enemy of our souls really is. He seeks to distort. He seeks to twist. But would you be willing this afternoon just to invite the spirit of the living God to move in your life and to cultivate that fruit of goodness, righteousness, and purity of truth? Would you just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. In your truth thank you for the armor of God that has been ascribed unto me that I can be fitted with your truth Lord Jesus like a belt around my waist to keep me agile to roll with the punches of the enemy yet never to lose sight of who you are and what you have called me to life. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. deeply appreciate about this passage of scripture as Paul in many respects is showing us when you get this when you rely solely that your strength is in Christ and when you accept the invitation of the armor of God that choice is signified by him saying stand therefore and take up the full armor of God it's your choice to receive what the Holy Spirit has given you It's my choice to say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to take that belt of truth. I'm going to take up the helmet of salvation. I'm going to guard my heart, which is the wellspring of life with the breastplate of righteousness. To the point, church, I want you to understand something. This could get me in hot water, but I'm okay with it. I've come to the resolution. I am okay with it. The church of God, in many respects, has married darkness. And we wonder why the church, in many respects, the light has gone out. Because many, many places, for various reasons, have married with darkness. Many churches then are declining. And they wonder, well, where are the people? Why are doors closing? Because you're just like the world. If we're just like the world, well, you can go everywhere for that. But the church is meant to be different. We're meant to be a lighthouse, like Jesus said. A city on a hill. A light for all to see. A shining beacon no one hides a light but puts it on a lampstand so we can give light to the entire body think about it you me we're all lights because Christ within us the one of perpetual light of righteousness and purity of truth and so I invite you this afternoon would you take a stand would you take a stand against the forces of darkness in your marriage? Would you take a stand against the forces of darkness in places of work, and places of progressivism, wokeism even, that is contrary to the Word of God? I understand it can be tough, it can be difficult, but as the Word says, the days are evil. I'm right there with you. I am not perfect by any means. I misstep. I get things wrong. But I'm so thankful that when I resist, the promise here is that when we resist with the armor of God, he doesn't say, well, you might win some victories. He's saying you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil and extinguish every fiery arrow because you've clothed yourself. You've put on. You've taken up the full armor of God. that as we go here today Lord as we put on the armor that that we would go out boldly and by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak If you don't have any plans, Tuesday night, I jumped the gun last week. In in May, there's actually five um, weeks, not four. (laughs) And so this Tuesday is the last Tuesday of the month. Um, So uh, men, we're going to be talking uh, about uh, last week's uh, passage as well as this week when we get together. And I really believe that we really do have a good time. Don't get me wrong. We have a great time hanging out and talking and there's snacks and different things. But I really look forward to the conversation we're going to have as we look at this part of the Word of God uh, and have a conversation and see the ways in which Christ is calling us in different ways and where we are in our our faith journey. Uh, And so I know, ladies, Wednesday night, the Ladies of Hope is still happening. I've heard you all have been having a great time. Have you been having fun? You sure have. So uh, if you uh, haven't had a chance to join Ladies of Hope Wednesday night, maybe you're watching online, go check it out. It's at 992 Concession Concessionary in Waterford at 7 p.m. Men, Tuesday night, we're also meeting at 7 p.m p.m. at that same address Uh, so have a great rest of the day it's beautiful outside um, and uh, look forward to seeing you later in the week but especially uh, next Sunday so have a great rest of the day God bless you and we'll uh, be in touch okay take care